Hello, friends, and welcome once again to a little ditty we like to call Syracuse Sports. My name is Brent Dax. It is so great to have you here. It's great to have our friends at Krause Health on board, the exclusive healthcare provider for Syracuse Athletics. And it's just a great time to be a Syracuse football fan, isn't it? We are deep in the heart of basketball season, and that basketball team is playing pretty darn well as we discussed on our post-game show after Syracuse beat Oregon and, of all places, South Dakota. And there'll be plenty of time to discuss Syracuse basketball for sure. But usually by now, football has faded off, even with signing day just a couple days away. Syracuse fans always went into signing day with a little trepidation in recent years. What kind of class do they have here? What exactly is going on? These are extraordinary times. I have never seen anything like this when it comes to Syracuse football and what Fran Brown has brought to the table in just a few short weeks since we knew he came on the table as a candidate, was hired as the new Syracuse football head coach with recruiting as the background. And what we have seen is something I've never seen in my time covering Syracuse football and certainly living in central New York my whole life. There's been a lot of talent that has come through here. Let's not get crazy here. The Donovan McNabbs of the world, the Marvin Harrisons of the world, the Dwight Freenies of the world back to the 1980s, Tim Green. You can go through all the names. You know, Syracuse football is no shortage of high-level talent. But let's be honest here. In the last 20 to 25 years, if he had one four-star in a class, Syracuse fans were dancing a jig. Now you're getting multiple four-stars. And the one that leads the way is Kyle McCord, the Ohio State transfer in this new era of college football where transfers can come in and to go from Ohio state to Syracuse comes with a lot of questions. Why would you go from Ohio state to Syracuse is probably the first question in mind. It's certainly the question that I had, but we're in a new era in college football, right? Where being at a high level program might not be enough. If you're in the right place with the right coach, McCord is somebody that sees himself potentially making a path to the national football league. You can go somewhere else, and start over. There's probably no better example of that recently from Syracuse than Tommy DeVito, who went the other way. Things didn't quite work out here. Garrett Schrader stepped in for him. He gets another chance at Illinois. And now we're all doing this with DeVito, with the New York Giants, though they uh, they did get run over it but by the New Orleans Saints this weekend. So maybe the, uh, the Tommy DeVito bubble is going to burst a little bit here. But McCord leads the way. And you guys had a lot of questions about Kyle McCord. Our Syracuse sports insiders have been fired up about this story. And by the way, our Syracuse sports insiders were the first to learn on Saturday night, as I broke the story, that Kyle McCord would be committing to Syracuse. You got the news first. A late text. Sorry about that. The news happens when the news happens sometimes, guys. But you were very appreciative to know first that Kyle McCord would be committing to Syracuse on Sunday. We saw the news officially, and now we need to know about Kyle McCord. And our Syracuse Sports Insiders have had plenty of questions. We would love for you to become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. Just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. You get breaking news like that first. You get my opinions first. You can ask me anything you want. I've had a great running back and forth with a number of Syracuse Sports Insiders we really have enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this. I love hearing your questions and your opinions and getting to know some of you. So keep the questions coming. Keep the opinions coming. You get priority, not only on this podcast, but on our Syracuse postgame shows as well. There's a lot of great perks to being a Syracuse Sports Insider, friends. It's just two weeks free. 
and then $3.99 a month after that. Try it for two weeks, absolutely free. You don't like it? Hey, no harm, no foul, but we think you will. So try it free for two weeks, then just $3.99 a month after that. By the way, you can cancel at any time. So you had some great questions about Kyle McCord as Mike MC. So someone pinch me. It's a great time to be a Syracuse Orangeman. McCord comes in as one of the highest rated recruits, let alone quarterbacks that Syracuse has seen since they really started tracking this stuff, since the two four sevens and the rivals of the world and all these recruiting services came on the scene. He's among the top 10 quarterbacks available in the portal, according to both two four seven sports and on three sports, a former five-star high school quarterback out of St. Joseph's prep in Philadelphia, number six quarterback recruit in the country, number two player in Pennsylvania in the class of 2021. So as Mike says, pinch me. Why would he be coming to Syracuse, right? You guys have some other questions here. Roger, ask your guest, and we're going to have Nathan Barrett on today, guys, from Cleveland.com, who covers Ohio State. He's got the Buckeye Talk podcast, uh, much like we do with you, uh, the Syracuse Sports Insiders. They've got a text group in Cleveland as well. They really kind of showed us the way on how to do this, as our friends with the Buffalo Bills, Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot have done as well. And Roger wants to know, ask what McCord is like when he's forced to leave the pocket. Is he a disaster? David wants to know the same thing. Should we be concerned about his passing under pressure? Jeff from Twitter saying, I'd love to get some insight into his confidence level. OSU fans have been brutal to the kid despite a darn good year in which he went 11 and one. And Mike V saying, I think there's been a lot of crap thrown at this kid and criticism seven points away from the playoff. Let's be welcoming and appreciate him. And yeah, those Ohio state fans frankly have been brutal and, and are spoiled Ohio state fans. It's like, they're complaining about what year uh, champagne they're drinking. Oh, this is a 85. I wish the 83 crystal, like, give me a break, right? Syracuse fans just had to watch a patchwork MacGyver like way to get over the finish line just to finish a season with Garrett Schrader her. And that's what I wanted to say here before we get to our guest, Nathan Baird, and talk about Kyle McCord and the focus there. So it was announced on Monday, shortly before we started recording this podcast, by the way, and I am like paranoid to record podcasts these days because the recruits and the news come so fast and furious these days, but that's why it pays to be a Syracuse sports insider. Cause you guys will get that stuff. We'll do some emergency pods. Like I am on standby this week to do a number of things based on as we approach signing day and the just frantic pace, no pun intended that Fran Brown has been on and bringing in new players to Syracuse. But Garrett Schrader put out this statement on Monday and it's on your screen. If you're watching on YouTube, as we learned, he has been playing with a tear in his shoulder since October. Played basically half the season hurt. Comes back for the Wake Forest game. He did a flip in that game, let's not forget, even with the injury, but saying it was important for me to get our team to a bowl game. You can see the statement there on your screen. You can check it out on social media as well. And I was thinking about this. I actually wrote a column about this a couple of weeks ago, guys after the Wake Forest game. This is something that will not be forgotten anytime soon for Syracuse football fans. The way that Garrett Schrader gutted it out, we knew he was playing her. This was just, you know, putting the cherry on top of the Sunday and putting something official on something everybody knew. 
that Schrader was playing hurt. Now we just have some specifics that he won't play in the bowl game. He had to get surgery, what exactly the injury was, but we all knew that guy was just a walking Frankenstein out there, right? But I'm thinking about guys that had you know walk-off performances in Syracuse football history, whether they're high-level guys like Jim Brown, who scored 43 points against Colgate in 1956. Michael Owens, the two-point conversion against West Virginia in 1987. That caps an undefeated season. Chris Gedney, just three yards short of the end zone in 1992 against Miami. How about Donovan McNabb and his senior day symphony against Miami in 1998? Walter Reyes, five touchdowns, Notre Dame, 2003. The Diamond Ferry game in 2004 against Boston College. Trill Williams walk off at the Dome against Wake Forest just a couple of years ago. With the dust settling on his career, Schrader is fourth in rushing touchdowns, fifth in total yards and passing yards and completions. Top five quarterback in rushing touchdowns, 31, total yards, 7,255, passing yards at just under 6,000, and 457 completions. His name was already coming into the season on over 20 top 10 lists in Syracuse's record book entering the season. But I don't think anybody's going to remember Garrett Schrader for numbers. You know, Eric Dungy was the combination of numbers and grit. A guy that would run into tackles, leap over defenders, that famous shot of Dungy leaping over a Miami tackler, right? Schrader's legacy is going to be that he gutted this team through and got them over the finish line to a bowl game. Yet the Dino Baver story and everything that has happened since is prominent and may take over. But when someone says the name Garrett Schrader 5, 10, 15 years ago, you're going to remember that that guy gutted through, played hurt, and got Syracuse over the bowl game finish line. Barely, right? Which is why he had to bring in a Kyle McCord. Because when your starter gets hurt and Syracuse has not gone wire to wire with a starting quarterback having to leave a game since Ryan Nassib in 2012. Eric Dunchy came close in 2018. He started every game. But remember, Tommy DeVito had to come in a couple of times in relief, including against North Carolina that year, to supplant Eric Dungy. You need quarterbacks at Syracuse. And Kyle McCord comes in to be the projected starter to get some big-time NIL money. You're going to hear that detail coming up in our conversation with Nathan. And these extraordinary times that we are in that Syracuse can approach a five-star, high-level, one of the most sought-after quarterbacks in the country a few years ago and say yes. And the continuing success that Fran Brown has had both on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal with more to come. We are not done there, folks. There is more to come on that. But what do you say we take a pause and focus on Kyle McCord and the story of how he went from Ohio State to Syracuse with Nathan Barrett from Cleveland.com. That's coming up next, guys. So, Nathan, when I called you the first time and Mm -hmm. said, I think this is a thing. I think this is a possibility that Kyle McCord could at the very least be looking at Syracuse. I had heard that Fran Brown, the new Syracuse head football coach, had gone out to visit Kyle. Like, what were you thinking? What? Syracuse? Come on. What, what's the deal with that? Well, it made a little bit of sense just from, I suppose, the Fran Brown connection, the New Jersey connection. That's obviously where Kyle is from. And uh, in general, I guess something that 
went farther east uh, did make some sense to me just because, again, that's where his roots are. Um, but Syracuse, obviously, being a place that is in a little bit of a, a turnover, I guess you would say, you know, a, 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 I wouldn't know if you'd say a full rebuild. You know, you're coming off, coming off a six-win season. You're going to a bowl game. I don't know if that qualifies as a rebuild. But obviously, Kyle McCord is leaving a place that was, I mean, you can go back, what, just five weeks, six weeks. They were the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. They're 11-0, ranked number two in the country going into the regular season finale. And he's the presumptive starter going into next year for that same program. And this obviously is a a downgrade. I, I don't know how else you could say it in terms of the stature of the program. However, if your motivation is to go someplace where you are assured of being the guy for this one season of eligibility that you have left, then I think a program like this is maybe the only tier in, in which he could really shop this situation. So that's what I'm fascinated by here, Nathan. Just go back five, six weeks, as you mentioned, and Ohio State's on top of the world. It all seems to be in line. McCord's kind of the next quarterback. There's been a lot of great ones there, as you have seen, as well as anybody, Dwayne Haskins and C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields. So I guess what happened? Uh, how did this get to the point where Kyle McCord wanted to leave Ohio State and, and is now at Syracuse in those last five, six weeks? Well, it, it seems very sudden in the way it unfolded at the end from things I was told in the immediate aftermath. And I think other people have reported similar things here over the past couple of weeks. It, it I think it was a more of a slow burn than that. The fact that it took uh, as long as it did for Ryan day to commit to come accord as the starting quarterback, the fact that when he talked about Kyle over the course of the season, maybe his praise wasn't as effusive as it had been for his predecessors, CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, the fact that um, maybe that just the the sort of the body language that you saw from Ryan Day at times this year was uh, was kind of uh, I think there was a, a a sense around McCord McCord's camp, however you want to say it, that this the maybe the support wasn't there as much, and then in the immediate aftermath of the game, the losing the the, the game at Michigan, um, a lot of the criticism seemed to fall on McCord's shoulders. And it wasn't like Day went out of his way to um, be a barrier to that, I suppose. And I don't think he was throwing him under the bus by any means. I think, you know, when, when asked about evaluations of the quarterback play in that game, um, he did, you know, bring up the, the turnovers that, um, you know, Ohio State had two, um, Michigan had none. And that that being both both of those were interceptions that McCord threw and that being a factor in, in how a, a one possession game turned out. So I think there were just a lot of those things kind of swirling. And then as as we were told now, you know, but multiple sources, there was a meeting that week after the Michigan game heading into um, the, the, the opening of the portal on, on the fourth. And McCord essentially asked for and assurance that he was going to be the starter on opening day next year. He was going to be QB1 for 2024, and Ryan Day balked at that and was not prepared to commit to him. And I, to me, that didn't really necessarily 
I don't understand why that was maybe... I, I do understand from their perspective, because he's only got one year left. He has to go somewhere where he's sure he's going to play. But realistically, you had a guy in Devin Brown, a second-year quarterback this year, who pushed McCord all the way into the start of the season as to who was going to start this year. You have another... A fairly highly ranked, like top 150 guy who was a true freshman this year in Lincoln Keenholz, who you needed to do a new evaluation of. You have a five-star quarterback coming in in this freshman class named Aaron Nolan, who needs his own evaluation. And all those things uh, sort of had to play out this spring before you would necessarily commit to any person. And I know that coming out of 2020, uh, coming out of 2021, Ohio State was, Ryan Day, I should say more specifically, was more quick to commit to C.J. Stroud as obviously the, the QB1 going into next year with McCord and other people on the, the roster. Uh, but C.J. Stroud was a Heisman finalist and Kyle McCord was third team all Big Ten and that's a, a pretty huge differential. So if you had asked me going into that weekend before the portal opened, the odds that Kyle McCord would be in it first thing Monday morning, I would have been surprised. I mean, I, I would I would not have put high odds on that. But then we had a signing, or not sorry, a Selection Sunday press conference with Ryan Day, and he was very noncommittal towards Kyle McCord, not only in the scenario that I'm talking about, like who's going to start for 2024. He was like, well, we'll see what happens in bowl practice, like who's going to start the Cotton Bowl. And that was our a big signal to us that something was going on, that there had been a, either there had been a fracture or that he was just so um, ambivalent about the quarterback play that he thought it was worth just opening things up, like having a completely open mind. And as it turns out, because that meeting had already happened, because some things had already been communicated as to what McCord was thinking, I think that's why he was he was trying to tell us without telling us. Um, you know, he wasn't going to make that announcement for McCord. We were told that Kyle had not told them for sure that he was going in the portal before that press conference happened. I think there were a lot of things that were just kind of up in the air. And that also explained why he wasn't, he was so noncommittal at that moment, but that's what we understand to be the issue that, you know, because Kyle had used his red shirt, um, burned his red shirt as a true freshman had played enough games in the subsequent years that he never had a red shirt season. He was down to one year of eligibility and to go into that year with this, with the uncertainty of, are you bringing in a transfer quarterback? Which we actually have no indication that they've strongly pursued a transfer quarterback at this point. Um, to, to think that somebody else on the roster could beat him out, to have no assurances that you're going to be the guy. I, I do understand from their perspective. I, I understand from both perspectives. I understand why Kyle McCord and the people around him would want that sort of security and, and need it. I understand from Ryan Day's perspective why on December, whatever day they had that meeting, November, December, he can't give it. Like there's no, it would be, I think, borderline irresponsible for him as a coach to, to give that assurance. This, so this just all sounds like an amazing case study about college football in 2023, right? You, yeah. As a, as a player, you can look around, you would think it can't get better than Ohio state, but if you just want to play showcase yourself, maybe pick up some more NIL money, which the fact that Syracuse might be able to pay more NIL money than Ohio state is a whole conversation in and of itself. But he just kind of looked at his options and, and felt going elsewhere was best. And, and here we are. So what everything you just said, there is so fascinating, Nathan, but I want to circle back on something and you, you know, as well as anybody, how big that Michigan game is, is Kyle being scapegoated in a way, 
for the Michigan loss. And look, social media is what it is. But man, some of the fan reaction that I've seen, and not just on social media, by the way, people that have been texting me, because we do the text line just like you guys did, and it did an amazing job showing the way for us. And, you know, I'm hearing from Syracuse fans like, oh, man, I talked to my Ohio State buddies, and this is what they say about McCord. It feels to me that he's been kind of scapegoated a little bit. Would you agree with that? Well, sir, I don't think he was scapegoated by the staff. I think he has been maybe scapegoated by um, a certain segment of the fan base. Sure. I mean, any as you know, um, any time a, a significant loss like that happens or, or things aren't going the way that you want them to, people look for an answer beyond um, uh, the team that I rooted for just wasn't good enough that day. They look for the person <laughs> to blame. And the, the Michigan game was a, a kind of a microcosm of Kyle's season. Uh, slow starts were something that were recurring throughout the year. Like you can go back and look at a number of games where his first halves, his first quarters and first halves really kind of lagged. And then he would turn things on in the second half. Uh, That definitely happened against Michigan. He has the interception early on and he only threw six interceptions this year. The last interception that he threw was not his fault. I would argue like he's, you know, he, he steps up in the pocket. He gets hit as he threw. Um, two offensive linemen are laying on the ground on the most important snap of the season. And he's got Marvin Harrison Jr. open and gets hit as he throws and the pass is short and it gets picked off. I do not put that on him. The first one, there's some debate out. He he he, he made a quick throw, uh, but the cornerback had the inside look on that slant from the beginning and he just stepped in front of it and picked it off. And that sets up the first Michigan touchdown and they lose by six. And there had been, an, because he only had six interceptions all year, it doesn't look like he had a turnover problem. And I guess he didn't have a turnover problem. What there was, though, was a lot of like loose moments. Even in his biggest moment of the year, leading that touchdown drive to beat Notre Dame, he threw a pass that we still don't really know to this day how it didn't get picked off. It basically hit a DB in the hands, and that could have ended that right there. And now the season is completely altered oh, right wow. off the beginning. So... And there were some, just some other moments where he would just get a little bit loose with it in the pocket. There was an interception in the red zone at Wisconsin. And if I I'm, I'm, can only point to you maybe just these handful of moments, but the biggest thing that Kyle had going against him this year was just the, the what do you want to say, like the, the, the path that he has had to follow. Like the, you know, you got Dwayne Haskins in 2018, has this record-setting year, like the greatest passing season in Ohio State history, certainly most most prolific passing season in Ohio State history. That's followed up by Justin Fields, who immediately goes to New York as a Heisman finalist and has two great seasons, followed up by C.J. Stroud. People know what C.J. Stroud's doing in the NFL right now, and all the seeds of that were planted at Ohio State just in terms of his ability to process and read and make accurate throws. And Kyle came in this year, and instead of being like one of the, like, arguably three or four best quarterbacks in the country. It was like one of the best, like 15 quarterbacks in the country. And that was in some ways the biggest drawback to him, which isn't his fault. Like I, there's, there's been no indication that Kyle wasn't a hardworking guy, very competitive guy. He wanted to win that. I think his teammates uh, respected the, especially certainly the work that he was putting in to try to become the best quarterback possible. It just, the ceiling for it was lower than what the people immediately in front of him were. And I think that's where too much of the criticism went on him. And we talked before the season, as we were analyzing this team, to try to give people an indication like, hey, like this probably isn't going to look like it did with C.J. Stroud. He's a different kind of quarterback. We don't know that he's going to be the same level of skill. 
And this team is going to have to win in other ways. And by and large, a lot of those other ways did show up. The running game eventually clicked in. The defense was tremendous all season. But there was always kind of this underlying feeling, I think, that the quarterback play, when it needed to be excellent, was it going to be excellent enough? And the Michigan game is, again, it's kind of a microcosm of that because he comes back, has a good second half, leads them back to where they're driving ball in their hands, chance to take the lead at the end of the game, but doesn't quite get there. It was always like good or really good, but never like great. And Ohio State has just been used to great and needed great in a, in a game like that. And just, it wasn't there. All right, Nathan, uh, you actually did this for me for our Syracuse Sports Insiders on the text line, and they really appreciated it. So let, let's bring it to the podcast here. Put your Mel Kuyper Jr. hat on. <laughs> Give me the breakdown of Kyle McCord, the quarterback. Now, what we understand is that Jeff Nixon is going to come here from the New York Giants. He is going to run a pro-style offense. I mean, I think that's why they targeted McCord. I think that's a big reason why they got McCord. So knowing that, knowing that Syracuse has – brought in a couple of receivers from Georgia in the portal. They have some, they got a commitment from a four-star wide receiver. Like that's a position they've really built up in the portal and in recruiting. There's the potential that a Ronde Gatson could be back. Who's an NFL level receiver was recovering from a foot injury, but you know, it's looking pretty good that he may be back next year. Dan Valari emerged this year here in Syracuse as a, a real pass catching tight end threat. Also played a little quarterback down the stretch, speaking of which, with Garrett Schrader injured. This is what we know. They've got LaQuinn Allen, who's a terrific running back. We're still wondering if they're going to pluck some more offensive linemen out of the portal. So all that is a setup. Kyle McCord comes to Syracuse. Give me the, the Mel Kuyper Jr. breakdown of the good and bad and what kind of quarterback you think he could be here. So I think it's encouraging to hear that that sort of offense is the one that's being built around him because I think that probably does fit his his skill set the best. And Ryan Day, from the beginning, sort of the the, the marching orders that Kyle McCord had was to, and this sounds like damning with faint praise, but to say that you, you need to manage the game and but not to be a game manager. I don't mm-hmm. think they're asking that. They still want a quarterback who can be a playmaker, but that you know you have Marvin Harrison Jr. You have Emeka Ibuku who's coming off a thousand yard season. People thought might be a first round receiver. You've got Trevian Henderson in the backfield. People can see the second half of the year that he had when he came back from injury and what he's capable of. You mentioned like a tight end that he he utilized the, the tight end here, Kate Stover, who was a um, um, a Mackey finalist in the the Big Ten tight end of the year. Um, like all those weapons, it was about you know you have all these weapons. Just go out and don't make mistakes and just get the ball in the hands of, of all these guys. So I think that's maybe the the first thing to know about him is that by and large, this was not someone who was working outside the pocket, working off platform, doing a lot of stuff with his legs. And some of that was by design. Some of that is, is Ryan Day has been a little bit hesitant to let guys go out and run. You know, CJ Stroud didn't do it for his entire two years until the Georgia game last year. Now he's done even a little bit more of it in the NFL. You see maybe a more complete version of him now because Day has been so reluctant to let his starters go out there and, and be exposed to injury and, and contact when you have all these other weapons at your disposal. So I think that's the kind of offense that can maybe fit in the best. Someone somewhere where he can he's going to be protected well, work in the pocket, and just distribute. And when it was at its best this year, 
it looked good. I mean, you had, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. can make a lot of quarterbacks look good. Oh, but sure. I would argue that there were there were times where where McCord made like really impressive throws where he could put like a zip on the ball, he could hit guys in the, you know, the back pocket or the 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 outside shoulder as needed. Like all the throws were there. What I think one of the things that you heard and it it all depends on your ear, right? Like if you're on McCord's side, you hear this one way. If you're just a fan, you might hear it another way or you're a media member. But, you know, Day would often, when asked, like, oh, like Kyle had a really good game today. Somebody would ask him in a, a post-game press conference. He'd be like, yeah, like when, you, when he gets his footwork right, when he gets set and everything is like in rhythm, he's fantastic. And it, it always kind of came back to that whenever he would, talk about how well Kyle had played. And I think sort of the undercurrent of that was that's not happening consistently enough. And that's what I have always looked at it and, and was projecting ahead to 2024 thinking, okay, well now he's set this baseline of production and now he gets to build on that and figure those things out. You've got a whole, you know, nine months now to take into the start of next season where you get to, get those things in uh get those things in sync and like work on your footwork work on your fundamentals uh, those were things that lacked a little bit i would say this just the consistency of it and again because of the standard that's here those things i think were more noticeable you can go look at his numbers and how they stack up against some of the quarterbacks who are like out there in the portal some of whom are even going to like bigger programs the numbers stack up but i think in terms of just the full execution of it and trying to maybe project him into an offense that didn't have all these tools you would say that those fundamentals do have to be refined a little bit going into this season. So I think, you know, his quarterback tutelage is going to be important in this next year. Uh, he has some guys he works with on his own, as everybody does. But, yeah, and he had a good, I think, you know, Ryan Day's track record sort of speaks for itself in that regard. So he's coming from having a good background set in that in that way. Um, I just think that it, it's about the next step that he takes. Because I think what you saw this year was someone who who was able to, like, utilize – a weapon like Marvin Harrison Jr. was able to, especially when Trevor Henderson came back, was really good at you know checking down to him and letting him get out in space and work. What I think you're still waiting to see from Kyle McCord is that next step, that next step where he becomes more of a playmaker, where where he can be the guy who really puts a team on his shoulders at, at times. And I think that was one of to go back to like sort of the fan reaction, you know, coming out of that Notre Dame game, he leads that touchdown drive. You know, they get the ball back with a little over a minute left. They've got to go 65 yards. They have to get a touchdown. It was and impressive. They drive down again. Yeah. yeah. And people can look like there was whatever that second and 19, third, 19 throw, whatever it was that he makes to, um, or I can't remember the distance now off the top of my head, but just a tough in traffic throw to Mecca Buka that takes him down to the goal line and sets up that touchdown. Like he makes, he made those plays. Like it's, you can't take that away from him. Like he, he legitimately went out there and, and led that, but the next step didn't really happen. The thing where people thought like, okay, that'll be like a confidence builder. That can be a real, you know, this is definitely his job, his team. Now he can get more comfortable and have that like confident next step. And whether it was, the ankle injury that he dealt with all season, because he did get hurt in that game. He hurt his ankle in that game, and it bothered him the rest of the year. Or whether that just wasn't where he could take it at this stage of his career, that next step never really showed up. At least not, again, it showed up in flashes, but in terms of like consistency, it never really showed up. And I think that's still the thing that you're you're waiting for is, but there's no reason to think it can't happen. 
they, again, he's got nine months now to go in with uh, with this new system and 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 just refine his game and show that you know last year was just the baseline and that even without a Marvin Harrison Jr. in his arsenal, no disrespect to the guys that Syracuse has, but even without like that kind of generational talent in your receiving core, he can still be a guy who goes out and leads a really productive offense. That's what's interesting, Nathan, because what we've seen at Syracuse, and they're making a, a coaching change here, so we'll see what the pro-style approach brings and everything, but from Garrett Schrader, who we found out as we record this on Monday, we found out today he played basically the whole season with yep. a tear in his shoulder, had to get surgery, but still came back in the last game of the year and just willed Syracuse over the, the bowl game eligibility finish yep. line to get him there. So just to show you the injuries he was playing with, but he's a mobile quarterback the best success that Dino Babers had was with Eric Dungy, who's a guy that can, that can move. So they're going in a different direction in that sense. So that's interesting to hear that about McCord and and the style in which he plays and, and the, look, he is from what we have seen the most acclaimed quarterback that Syracuse has brought in basically since like the two, four sevens of the world and the rivals of the world really started tracking this stuff, just to give you a sense of, Mm -hmm. what kind of quarterbacks they've had some successful ones. Don't get me wrong, but Syracuse isn't pulling in five-star quarterbacks a lot. It just has not happened in the last 20 to 25 years. So I want to know about Kyle in terms of, obviously he had a connection with Fran Brown. The New Jersey connection certainly worked. Kyle knew a couple of players here at Syracuse, Dennis Jacquez Jr., Elijah Clark, our Jersey guys. I think that helped. He was certainly looking at, it appears for some, uh, a, a boost in NIL money. So tell me about some of those intangibles, Nathan, particularly that. Was he a guy that was getting significant NIL money at Ohio State? Was he in commercials? Was he like the face of the program? Because from what I understand, Syracuse stepped up there and he could get upwards, I'm hearing, of about five, dollars $600,000 in NIL deals if the sell rounds out. What was he getting out Ohio State's way? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have that exact dollar figure. I, I know that they were um... – you know, I think disappointed in that or that it, it came up in that meeting, you know, what what else can happen in terms of, you know, NIL guarantees. And Ohio State is not really a place that works in terms of NIL guarantees. I think guys who have come here and succeeded usually get taken care of from an NIL standpoint. Like they have a strong apparatus for that once a guy is here. What they're not usually in the business of doing is um offering like upfront money. Now Kyle was already here, obviously. So that's a bit of a different uh, scenario. But I also think that uh, it's one of those things where there's the, the opportunities are, are, you know, CJ Stroud, I mean, as an example, like had national campaigns, um, was getting, you know, from what we've heard, like a, a decent endorsement income when he was here. So I think that opportunity is there for anybody who comes to Ohio State and succeeds. But again, if Kyle McCord wasn't getting the same NIL um, returns as CJ Stroud was. He also wasn't as good of a quarterback as CJ Stroud was. And I want to make sure that, that I, I, some of what we're, there is a gap here in terms of just, you know, perception and expectations and standards. And at Ohio state, like Ohio state's coming off an 11 and one season where they're going to a new year's six and it's a disappointment. And there's only nice. like there's only a few. Well, it's not. It's it's really 
frustrating at times and it's hard because it makes you wonder sometimes like well what when do you actually enjoy it like it's is going undefeated and winning a national championship the only thing you can enjoy and that's not to say that you shouldn't be disappointed if you think a team fell short of expect fell short good, of its right, potential yeah. or that um or in in the fact that they've lost now three in a row to michigan is the thing that has has really bothered people because they dominated that series for so long and now they've now, even when they had C.J. Stroud, they couldn't beat Michigan here these past uh-huh. two years. Although, obviously, people know we're not going to go into the, the whole the questions that surround that for the past two years. My point being that it I I have to give the common accord um, breakdown from that perspective because that's what we live in here is the eleven and one isn't good enough perspective. Whereas I, I think there's every reason to believe he will be able to go to any place outside of the, that tiny tiny. Um, place where the standards are insanely high and have great success. Like I don't, I don't see any reason to think that he won't go to a place like Syracuse and help that team be better than um, it would have been otherwise. Like it, you're getting a very strong quarterback talent at, relative to the rest of college football. Uh, from from an intangible standpoint, there that is something that we're all also still kind of trying to parse out in the aftermath of this because you know, we heard great things along the way and I, I know that he was close friends with with guys on the team that uh, we we just had interviews with those guys last week and a lot of players spoke up and said the way that he got treated especially by fans to get back to what you're saying before was unfair that there was too much criticism that's laid at his feet again some of that is just being the quarterback that's that goes with because you're going to get sometimes more credit than you deserve too, but they really saw the emotional toll that that was taking and they thought that that was unfair um but there was along the way like we heard stories of of, of guys telling about i remember uh donovan jackson the starting left guard was talking about how kyle was like always one of the last guys to leave like he would be he would be going home and he would see kyle like over in the hot tub or whatever like with his iPad, like going over film, I was mm. told that in that that week leading up to the Michigan game, he was putting in really, really long days, both to get treatment on that ankle and to to do a lot more film study. And there's never been anyone who I've heard that says that this isn't a guy who isn't a team guy, who who isn't um, a, a strong competitor, who isn't someone who takes this seriously and prepares and does what he has to do to try to become a better quarterback. He was doing stuff in the spring, like going to Texas and working with, um, I think it was Pat, Patrick Mahomes' quarterback coach. Like there was, you know, we have a bunch of stories like that that tell you you're getting a really good quarterback. Uh, it was just a matter of, at Ohio State, even if, and I think even if he hadn't played that fifth game as a freshman, that might have changed a lot of this dynamic because it really comes down to he has one year left and he has to be somewhere where he knows he gets to play every day in that one year left. Nathan, I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate the insight here, uh, not only here on the show today, but for our, our Syracuse Sports Insiders. I've been texting you the past couple of weeks. This is interesting. This went from, I think it's happening, to the trail went cold. We all thought he was going to Nebraska, to he is now the starting quarterback for the Syracuse Football Orange, how the college football world turns. So I'm sure we'll be in touch a little bit more. As I brought up at the beginning, guys, Nathan has a terrific uh, podcast. They talk about Ohio State football every day. It's called Buckeye Talk. You can check that out. 
Uh, their fans, Ohio State fans, much like our Syracuse Sports Insiders, get terrific text updates from Nathan and his crew at Cleveland.com, and uh, they do an amazing job covering all things Ohio State, so make sure you check that out. And, Nathan, thank you for coming on with us today here on Syracuse Sports. We really appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, of course, anytime. My thanks again to Nathan for coming on with us from Cleveland.com, who has covered Kyle McCord closely over the past couple of years. Terrific insight from him on the person, the player, and everything in between. A big thanks to our Syracuse Sports Insiders. Become a Syracuse Sports Insider today, guys. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. And if you don't, you can cancel at any time. Just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. There's also ways you can find out how to sign up on Syracuse.com. You get my opinions first. When we have breaking news to share with you, like the Kyle McCord story on Saturday night, you got it first as a Syracuse Sports Insider. Your questions, your opinions, text me directly. I text you back. It's been great so far. Let's keep it rolling into the new year. Can you believe it? We're almost to 2024. Amazing to think about here with the holiday season kicking into full gear. So we hope you consider adding uh, us as a Syracuse Sports Insider, and we would love to hear your thoughts, your opinions, your questions, and so much more. So this week is, like I said, going to be flexible, guys. I do have a, a plan to talk to Emily Liker about bowl game stuff. Certainly we've got signing day coming up on Wednesday. Fran Brown, you know, is going to add more players. So some more big ones to come, I'm sure. We'll react to that accordingly. We're going to have a, a post-game pod Thursday night. After the Boca Bowl, Syracuse and South Florida, uh, programming note, we will not be doing a basketball postgame show this week because the Niagara basketball game at the Dome, same night as the Boca Bowl. So we're going to focus on the bowl game for a postgame show that night, guys. Uh, I'm on football duty on Thursday. But uh, we'll be watching the basketball game, so feel free to text away as a Syracuse Sports Insider, as always. And Emergency pods as necessary because they've uh, kept us on our toes for sure since Fran Brown kept over and took over, I should say, and uh, more to come throughout the week. But thanks for listening and watching today. Thanks for being a Syracuse Sports Insider. Thanks to Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics. And we will talk to you next time, guys. Thanks for hanging here on Syracuse Sports.